Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now and in super awkward news, um, my wife contacted me with a text message that says, uh, apparently Chris Evans leaked a nude of himself. Could you do me a favor and find it for me? <laughs> so <laughs> I had to scour the internet for an hour, for an hour to find my wife a dick pic of Chris Evans. Yeah, so and I, feel, I feel bad because like, that's true love is what it is. That's true love. <laughs> like it was so shadowed and I feel like it was yeah. only half the dick anyway. It wasn't even... <laughs> Do you know, it wasn't even the full Monty. Do you know how many photoshopped pictures of Chris Evans on like some buff porn star's body I had to look at? I believe it. Like believe there was so 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 much poor Photoshop. It wasn't even it wasn't even the gay sex <laughs> or 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 all the dicks that bothered me. It was the poor Photoshop. If yeah. you're gonna steal the likeness of a celebrity so that he can take it in the ass from Thor. At least do a good Photoshop job. <laughs> Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. And God damn it, we got a good episode for you this week. Uh, we got a review for The Devil All the Time coming up. Brief five-minute-ish review. Me and Jay are going to go through what we've been watching in, of course, you know, a segment that's so aptly titled, What Are You Watching?! We got some brief news to go through this week as there is some interesting movie news coming out. And then, of course, the creme de la creme, the coup de gras, the master of disaster. I ran out of things to say. The Mandalorian <laughs> season two trailer has dropped, as well as some rumors that Pedro Pasquale has walked away. Uh, we'll get into those and and put up heavy rumor mill. Just in time to save 2020. Just in time to save 2020. As if 2020 didn't kick us in the teeth enough, we find out that possibly Pedro Pasquale has flipped the whistling birds to Disney and walked away. But uh, we'll get into that and the complete Mandalorian Season 2 trailer later on in the show. Uh, and then me and Jay will wrap up the show with one of my favorite top five subjects that we've tackled in a long time. This is going to be top five final lines in a movie and jay actually has a good list this time he swears you know his, his he's phoned in some previous lists but this one he wow. said he actually knew which ones he wanted to put on there immediately hearing the topic with substantial honorable mentions as well <laughs> absolutely so without any further delay jay let's get into what are you watching what are you watching what are we watching He's trying to watch some illegal channel. Oh, he's watching. No, 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 go 
past this, past this part. In fact, never play this again. Let's get started with you, Jay. What have you been watching this week? Absolutely. So I have finished and caught up with Succession on HBO. I still stand behind. There's only two seasons down. It's one of the best things on TV right now. So if you have HBO, definitely go check that out. I do um, want to check it out. Can you do me a favor and check out uh, uh, Lovecraft Nation as well and tell me whether I need to get on that too? Yeah, you're my HBO litmus test. I need to, I need to know these things, whether I need whether it's worth my time because you pay for it and I, I don't and I need I need your password. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've, 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 it's always been hard for me to ever get rid of HBO. Just like Showtime, back in the day, Showtime was my my network. I loved every single TV show that they produced, and it's been very cold recently. You know, not too many great things as much for me personally, but for a while there, whew, um, almost ten years, I feel like I love Showtime. Anyway, getting off of the tangent, but um, uh, the new TV show or mini series called "We Are Who We Are." developed by Luca Guadagnino. Uh, he is, he's got this nice little show. It's like a coming age type of teenage show set on a military base in Italy. So there's a lot of different interesting kind of dynamics with that character I thought it was about the children of Popeye, you know, because Popeye's <laughs> famous. Is, I am's what I am's and that's all that I am's and that this is his kids. It's their mantra. We are what we are. Yeah. <laughs> You know, just, so one episode in, it's certainly, I feel like it's going to be interesting, uh, to say the least. Very progressive. Um, Except for, for modern times, instead of spinach, obviously, they smoke meth. Anyway. I love Popeye, by the way. Loved him. <laughs> and uh, finally, I watched, uh, I rewatched The Ides of March, the old George Clooney film starring... The old- George Clooney film. Clooney, Clooney himself Clooney film. and Ryan Guys. <laughs> I just like the way you said it. The old George Clooney. The old film. George Clooney film. <laughs> uh, it's a great movie. I, I kind of you know with the whole political atmosphere going on right now. I just felt like I'm like ah, I'm kind of in the mood for something like that. What, what do well, I have? Grab in my your wicker chair, Ma. We're gonna go down to the drive-in and we're gonna watch the <laughs> yeah. old George Clooney film. <laughs> Set in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually like Eyes of March. Uh, it, it's one of those movies that like it takes politics and makes it interesting. It's, you know? It is. It's it's zippy and it's got a crazy yeah. good cast. And yeah. um it's it's a it's a good film. I, I definitely think that people should should check it out. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Um that just came up on the Prime. So you very, can definitely very go few check things. it out have made politics interesting to me wag the dog is one of them mm. <laughs> like wag the dog made politics interesting to me uh and i to march is another one so oh, you know what i love yeah. too i love that will ferrell and zach galifianakis movie too I, I think it's just called the election i think it is but it's yeah. hilarious it's yeah. hilarious i love it and, and and let's not forget the, the the greatest political movie of all time Welcome to Mooseport <laughs> with Gene Hackman and Ray Romano. Hi, I'm running for mayor. <laughs> anyway, but that's it, man. That's, what have you been watching? Uh, so let's let's get it started off with. I watched a George Clooney movie this weekend as well. Mm. Uh, the old George Clooney movie. Uh, I watched The Descendants. I I just like that movie. Oh, quite a bit. Nice. nice. And uh, a fair bit of it takes place on uh, Kauai. So, yep. What's up, Thomas Iannucci? Some of that movie was filmed at, up, at, at your home. How yeah, are you, man? At your home. He actually had a uh, interesting video on Instagram where he was like going up like a lake in the middle of like this beautiful tropical jungle and stuff. I'm assuming he's in Hawaii. That's where he lives. And uh, I wanted to so badly just steal that video from him 
and then just put the Jurassic Park theme over it and just like superimpose like a, a triceratops like drinking water like right next to him because <laughs> I mean of course Jurassic Park was filmed in Kauai and in, in, in his home on, on his home island so um, but I, and we all know down, that you do not like poor Photoshop. I do I do not like poor Photoshop. <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> well no, they've they've already heard it at the top of the show. <laughs> oh is that okay. That's how this works. Yeah. Yeah. Pre roll goes at the front of the uh, oh, anything yeah. funny from pre roll goes in the front of the show, Jay. Come yeah. on. I know you're not a producer. You're just you're just a fucking talent. <laughs> and you'll I'm, do what I'm, I I'm say. trying not to re-listen our <laughs> re-listen to our episodes as much. Dance I, don't, I don't know what that says about me, but like you know, I'm, I'm I never I try listen. not don't, don't to. Worry. I try I never, not to. I never listen to our show. I know you don't. I know you don't. It's I always have. I I hate my own voice. I know. I, I, I do too. I, every every time I laugh, I go, "You have such a fucking disgusting laugh. You're a disgusting <laughs> human being." Why do you even talk? Like I, I, I am such a self loather that like I can't yeah. listen back to myself. See, for me, it's uh, my cadence. I feel like I speak too slowly. Yeah, I'm my biggest critic for yeah. sure. So, first thing I got to watch in this week was hashtag alive. So, uh, this is a film that comes out of Korea, Korean zombie film that follows uh, a gamer kid as he's trying to survive alone in his apartment while there is a zombie apocalypse going on outside the door. It's not as good as Train to Busan, but I had a damn good time watching it. Now, my, my wife watched it first. She watched it with the subtitles on. I watched it. Normally, that's how I prefer to watch a movie. If if it's in a different language, I prefer to read the subtitles. However, I watched it when it's like, all right, it's midnight. I'm ready to lay down and go to bed. So I was like, I'll put this on and I'll just put the dub over top of it and watch it that way. But I wound up liking it so much that I stayed up until 2 a.m. when it was over and, and, and watched the whole thing. I'm not saying it's fucking revolutionary or anything, but as far as like a zombie film goes, as, uh, as as far as a zombie film goes it's it's fucking solid and and there's some mm. good moments of suspense there's some great moments of comedy there's great moments of character development too it's it's just a fun fucking time it's a netflix original so uh I'm, I'm assuming it was probably you know not a netflix original in korea but they picked it up here for the for the u.s market and and it's and it's a netflix original here so i highly suggest it i think i, I think you could have a good time on your Netflix and chill night, if okay. you watch, uh, if if you watch hashtag alive, not not for Jay though. This is no. not this is not a Jay movie, but because it's not quite as nuanced as something like Train to Busan, where Jay could really sink his teeth into a lot more going up on the surface. Good so. shit. Yep. Uh, the other two movies I watched were The Babysitter and The Babysitter Killer Queen. Uh, <laughs> so this is the the. The Babysitter series, which is directed by Mick G. You might remember him as the guy who many people believe destroyed uh, the Terminator franchise, but so many others have done far worse to the Terminator franchise that Among we other hardly things, hold. Yes. Yeah, we hardly hold it against Mick G anymore. <laughs> but uh, the Babysitter, I I really enjoyed the first one. Man, it's it's horror, it's comedy, it's it, it, some of it's so ridiculous that it's fucking hilarious. Uh, you know, it, it's so outlandish that that you can't help but laugh at it. But it's also bloody um and it's just a fucking good time i really enjoyed the babysitter and i highly recommend that but it's sequel the babysitter killer queen yeah you don't need to do it <laughs> you just it's 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 fine it's fun but it it fails to straddle that line of like you only liked it because it's so bad right like they tried so hard 
that you almost laughed at them instead of with them, where it, in the original Babysitter, it walked that fine line and it did it pretty well. And it was, it wound up being damn enjoyable and, and a good time to watch. But the Babysitter Killer Queen, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. But if you watch both of them back to back, like me and my wife did, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna hate you know your time with it. Uh, and the second one will give you a few moments of laughter. It will give you a few moments where you fucking cringe at just how bloody and gory it is. But it, it, the story will leave you feeling hollow. But the 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 babysitter, the original one, it's satisfying, and I I recommend it. Hmm. Okay. And then finally, Jay, I got super spaced out this week. I got into watching two television shows about going to Mars. So me and Lauren watched Away, which is the um, which is the new Netflix series with Hilary Swank, where she she plays a mother and a, and a oh, wife yeah. who who is an astronaut who's traveling from Earth to Mars, the first mission to Mars. She's the commander and. You know, it, it, it interlays a lot of drama that's going back on at Earth, how it's affecting the astronauts as as they're traveling. And it, it does fit in the science like here and there. But I really found this show to be no better than like most of the generic drama bullshit that is put on NBC or CBS or ABC. You know, it's it, it feels like a network television show that's on Netflix. And I understand that that Netflix has to pump out one of these like from time to time because it, it is I I hate saying this because it feels like I'm pandering but it's more of like a general audience type show. Um, but when they get into the science, it's really interesting because I'm so really the visuals into, are kind of subpar. They're but fine. The, it's the, all fine. The written story and dialogue you can get kind of into. No, opposite. Honestly opposite like the 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 science the behind everything that's going on some of the visuals it's really interesting but when they get into like the interpersonal relationships and the melodrama between you know the 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 daughter fucking up at home and the husband you know becoming a paraplegic all while the hillary swank the wife is off in space and stuff i just go fuck who cares huh show me space give me more space like just just Give me Apollo 13 just going to Mars. Just do something like that. And every single episode follows a different one of the astronauts and, and kind of goes through their backstory and how some some crisis that they're having on the spaceship will be solved or has some resonance to their past. And I, I got really worn out by it by the end. I still... You know, I still stuck with it. I still watched the whole series, but I'll be honest, I'm probably not going to watch season two. I was not that impressed with it enough for me to be like, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to watch season two. I found it far too melodramatic and I already have This Is Us in my life. I don't need that much right. melodrama in my life. You know, I got I got my one show for that. Yeah. I don't, I don't need another. But the other one I watched... Uh, which watching away is what made me want to watch this. It's the Nat Geo uh, television series called Mars. And the interesting thing about Mars is, is that it's part documentary, part scripted television show. And it follows a crew who are going to colonize Mars in the year 2033. Uh, and, and, but the interesting thing is like, they're talking to Elon Musk. They're talking to Carl Sagan. Uh, well, there's, Video of Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan's dead now, but they're they're talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye. They're talking to to leading scientists from NASA about 
how you know rocket technology you know was created uh where they are now what they're developing now that will eventually get us to mars then they also talk about the logistics of the problems that we're going to face on a three-month journey to mars uh and and the problems they're going to face on the surface of mars what we know about mars and it turns out we have maybe three percent of mars mapped like that's about it Hmm. all all the all the rovers all the satellites that we've sent up to to take pictures of Mars, three percent is cataloged. That's it, and you know they're talking about sending people to Mars in the next twenty years, and, and so so that's the documentary half. But then they also have a really interesting, heavily science and 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 politics based, you know, uh, scripted aspect of the show. So so the show splits half and half between the scripted and the documentary, and you know me, I'm a fucking space nerd, like so. I was eating all this up, all the science that's being thrown at me. Yeah. But also, this this show actually did the drama kind of right because it didn't dominate the entire show. It, it, its characters had their moments, and and then it moved on to the greater story, to the greater problem that they're facing. Um, but it gave you a little bit of insight into that character, how they're reacting to these problems and stuff. So it was far better. I think, you know, the commercial show to watch is away, but if you're if you're a nerd, if you're a, if you're a science geek, Mars is the one you should you should probably jump on. So, two good options, you know, take your pick. Two good options, uh, but the only option for me is Mars. So, it's got two seasons. Got each each episode each season is I think seven or eight episodes. So, it, it's it's not it's not too daunting. Okay. But definitely, if you're if you're not the person who liked the documentary series Cosmos, it, it's probably not for you. But I really enjoyed it. So, Jay, you and I got a review that we got to do before we jump into our news. Uh, both me and you watched Tom Holland and Sebastian Stan and Robert Pattinson and many this others. Is a, this is a star-studded fucking cast, my friend. Yeah, uh, yeah. In in a movie that just came to Netflix over the weekend, it's called The Devil all the time so let's get into our five minute ish review how and why people from two points on a map without even a straight line between them can be connected is at the heart of our story and knock them stiff you ever think about how we ended up orphans living in the same house i know what my daddy did Some people would say it's just dumb luck. You take pictures? I do. I see a smile pretty enough to photograph, that is. Others would tell you it was God's plan. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That ain't no preacher. He's as bad as they got on the damn radio. When people look back on it, they had no other choice. A lot of no good sons of bitches out there. Excuse me, preacher. You got time for a sinner. All right, The Devil All the Time is written and directed by Antonio Campos, and it is based on a book by Donald Ray Pollock, who's also in the film as the narrator. Uh, And I thought that having a narrator in this movie was going to be a big problem. And I'm here to tell you, it's not. It actually 
enhances the film and that's very rare that i find a narrator yeah. that enhances the film but it stars robert pattinson tom holland bill skarsgård riley keogh sebastian stan and jason clark as well as a slew of others in supporting roles but it really follows tom holland's character of arvin russell and him through his younger years it starts off following his father uh, but then it picks up and follows him through his through his younger years as he moves from Ohio down to West Virginia to live with his grandmother and he is raised by his grandmother along with his stepsister and I got to tell you man it's fucking bleak I I can't really get into some of the stuff that happens to the characters without spoiling it and I and this is a 5 minute ish review so we don't spoil it but it 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 has themes of of loss faith loss of faith suicide i mean it is there is no silver lining on any of these dark clouds Mm -hmm. whatsoever and a lot of times i would think that uh, this type of movie is too bleak for me but they do a, a really interesting thing where it does follow a series of characters the main character is arvin russell you are mainly following tom holland but they introduce you to these other characters throughout the story through Bill Skarsgård, who plays, who plays uh, Arvin Russell's father in the beginning of the movie. And, and, and he kind of meets these people up in Ohio. And then, and then when his son moves down to West Virginia, it, it kind of intertwines all their stories. And it does it in a very seamless way. It, it almost like everyone else's story, we're getting little snippets of it and we're getting just enough of their characters to understand who they are, but we're not spending so much time with them that we don't lose focus on Arvin Russell and what's going on with him down down in West Virginia. And eventually through his travels, he's going to run into all of them. And through Arvin Russell, we will get satisfying conclusions to everybody's story arcs. Interesting. And yeah, because, uh, well, let me first just cut in really quick. I've only seen the first half of the movie. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to finish it before uh, we recorded. But so far, I agree with what Davis said. Uh, is certainly one of a kind so far. Very bleak, but a lot of different interesting characters. A lot of heavy West Virginia accents. And um, they are, so far from what I can tell, certainly intertwining and threading the storylines in a very refined way. Yeah, it's it's really really well done from a story standpoint. Now, you know, obviously we have to give that to the author of the book because that is that's what this screenplay is obviously based off of. But also, like, I mean, it, it has a different a different type of setting that I think we're used to in in most films, where a lot of us might not be able to relate to it. Maybe if you're from West Virginia, because West Virginia 1952 is a lot like West Virginia. 2020. So, <laughs> I assume. I don't know. I've never been. But <laughs> it it is it, it's I got to say like it's worth your time. Like that's that's all I could say about it is it, it's worth your time. If you're not if the you type of person If you can handle this kind of stuff. This content's can, tough. It's tough to so watch. So here's the here's the thing. My my wife watched it with me. This is not the type of movie that I would think Lauren would be into at all. Even like when she started watching it, she's she she was like I was like I don't think you're going to like this at all 
And she wound up, she was like, it was pretty good. I liked it quite a bit. Hmm. It, it keeps its story moving along. And it, does. It, it, yeah. it really makes you root for the main character, for, for Arvin Russell, played by Tom Holland. And I got to say, this is one of his best roles, dude. Like, he... He does really well in this role. Uh, it's not, it, it, I mean, it's not like one of those roles where he's acting his ass off or anything like that. I don't think anybody is in this movie. It's really not like, even though, I guess if if this were probably like a mainstream release or something like that, more so than just on Netflix, you would say this is like an actor's movie. Well, I it's, think it's the filmmakers for sure behind right. the scenes that drew everybody right. to this you know, this is, but this story. is not an actor's movie. It's yeah. not you know, no one, no one's acting their ass off in it. You know, no one's winning an award for for their performance in this. But everybody is solid. Um, I, you know, the the only my my only knock on it is, um, it's kind of weird getting such a bleak story like this, and and it being streaming 4K UHD on my on on my TV through Netflix and stuff like that. I think Netflix has 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 an issue with things feels a little bit too heavily polished you know where i'm I'm kind of okay with a little bit of dirt a little bit of grime a little bit of like grittiness that that you kind of get when you film with film uh it, it kind of feels a little bit digital a little bit polished now i might be wrong but um it, on my tv it, it just it just had that very bright sheen that very big polish to it and this doesn't feel like a story that deserves is your that, setting that a 4k setting it is, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. why then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I got the 4K TV. So, yeah, it, like I said, I'm not knocking the movie for it. It could it could be my TV and it could be my setting for it. But um, it, it's I, I enjoyed it a lot. If I'm going to be giving it a score, it's not quite in the A category, uh, but it's a solid B+. Plus. Like, okay. I... I enjoyed. I enjoyed this. To be honest, I, I did not expect you to enjoy this movie when I saw the trailer. I was like, "Oh, this." Neither is, did I. This is, this is heavy. I. <laughs> this does, this doesn't like, look like a Dave movie. It looks like a J movie. <laughs> and 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 you know, I, the the thing that like just just keeps it down a little bit is there are moments of of boredom, and there's also moments where it's it's clear what happened, but they they shy like they shy away from the violence a little bit. Uh, at times and i think for this film it should have leaned more heavily into the violence hmm. i mean don't get me wrong there's that's violence fair. there okay but when you have something that's so bleak that and it's so stark and, and you know you, you have people that these are the type of people that literally live to work and live to pray they live to go to church and in between that nothing good happens and that's yeah. that's the type of story, uh, but there's so much so much. I don't want to say downtime, but there's like there's there's moments, there's personal moments that that are so quiet and stuff. I think if they just punched up that that violence a little bit, and this isn't just me being you know my bloodlust, Dave. Um, this isn't a horror movie, so I'm I'm not I'm not getting into that. But yeah. I, I just think it would have held out in more stark contrast to to some of the other stuff that's going on in the film. I I, I just felt like it shied away from some of its darker parts, where I felt like I think you might have wanted to lean into those darker parts a little. A little bit more. I understand that it's left up to our imagination, just how horrible it is. But at the same time, you know, it it could, you know, you as the director or, or you, you know, you bringing it to the screen, you could have truly made me feel just how horrible it was um, in, in in an appropriate way. So uh, I still I still really enjoyed the hell out of it, and I'm highly recommending that that you check it out. Cool. All right, Jay, that is gonna do it for what are you watching and for our reviews this week. But we're not done yet. 
because we got to head over and we got to get into some news. the news me and jay got a couple of news stories that we want to run through for you this week first news story all right jay me and you have kind of stayed mum on this topic for a little while but uh, it's gotten into a bit of an interesting territory at this point so we all know about ray fisher and how he has caused he, he has basically called for warner brothers to conduct an independent investigation into the the allegations of abuse and the toxic nature of individuals involved in the making of Justice League and Warner Brothers supposedly complied, but they did an internal investigation and that showed nothing. And Ray Fisher demanded that an independent investigation get done. He's even calling out that the independent investigation wasn't as independent as you may have thought. And he's now even gone further on to say that while all the all that was going on and still very much is, Warner Brothers had released the news about Ben Affleck returning as Batman man a week ahead of time because it was supposed to be announced during dc fandom but he said that it was announced a week ahead of time due to the fact that they were trying to bury this ray fisher news story and kind of keep him quiet but he's been very vocal very loud that that there was some mistreatment of cast and crew during the filming of justice league and he specifically pointed out joss whedon and others in in his allegations and since then now jason momoa says that he too is demanding accountability for the toxic uh to, to the toxic nature and the abuse that they received from the filmmakers during the creation of justice league so it's not just ray fisher out there saying it um, he now has some backup from some of his justice league co-stars as well i, I at this point especially I, since you know this is a such a, a such a, a a really difficult subject to kind of talk about of because he's still being extremely vague and and even after all this time and really being very vocal and hostile towards one of, one of the biggest studios. But perhaps he's being vague publicly. But I certainly at this point, let's face it, Warner Brothers is since, the, one of the since big they, three studios. Well, of course. He's, he's not going to trash his career. He, well, he's kind of already <laughs> I understand is doing that. this. But I'm just saying, like once they came back with a negative... Uh, whatever it was, HR investigation or whatever, He then he should have went and just was in detailed vocally saying what happened. You can't just keep pointing fingers and saying he, he did this without forget, nothing. Go, nothing's going to happen. That's the problem. He He's, may be under some sort of non-disclosure agreement as well. All right. But the, so that's my part of the problem. Like, well, okay, well, you're going to keep pointing fingers and, and, and complaining in a vague because way. Because he doesn't want to get sued. But he doesn't want to get sued. If but nothing is going agreement. to happen when doing that other than tarnishing your own name and your and your career. Like That's what I'm saying. This this is not going to get anywhere. It's not going to do anything. It's it's really just not. I don't think it's going to tarnish his career other than perhaps with Warner Brothers directly. Uh, it, he, he may actually be welcomed in open arms in, in some other places. Now, we've heard of, of actor mistreatment and stuff like that on, on on plenty of sets over the years, you know, uh, yeah, you know, Alfred Hitchcock was famous for for essentially, you know, uh, 
groping women or or at least you know putting oh, them down this in, is, in extreme this is a ways. very common thing you know in hollywood for, Ex- exactly. for, in the vast exactly. degrees of different kind of abuse and harassment among I don't other see things, any but, any fault in in someone shining a light on it and and trying to hold a studio accountable for how they treat their essentially employees, their contracted employees, and and now that Jason Momoa is stepping up and demanding accountability as well, it, it kind of makes me think something happened. I and I honestly think Ray Fisher's taking a bit of a high road by not outlining specifically what happened or specifically who the perpetrator was or what was said or what was done. I, I think, he, I think he's taking a high road there. It could, he could be, or he could be, or he could not be. And, that, and that's the thing. Like I, it's really hard for me to talk about it because it's so vague. Everything is, this is just, it's just Warner very, brothers in, in your defense and what you're saying, Jay, Warner brothers said that Ray Fisher did not comply with the investigation. Um, he, he, he did not, he did not give specifics right. when questioned uh, about it. So that's their statement. His statement back to that is it's bullshit. Uh, so that's my we'll, point. We'll, like th- this is, this is not helping anybody. Yeah, you know. we'll have to continue to follow this as it develops to see what shakes out of the uh, of the tree as 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 it continues to as it continues to go along. Something tells me after, possibly after the uh, the the Snyder cut comes out, we might hear a little bit more of mm, what was going on. That's a good point. Behind the that's scenes a good during point. Justice League, right? So, Jay, let's get into our next news story. Did you see it, Jay? What did I see, Dave? America's dick. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so uh, apparently, Chris Evans had had put a video on Instagram, and when the video ended, because uh, it was shot on his phone, it, it basically showed the last six or seven pictures that were taken on his phone. One of them happened to be his dick. Uh, <laughs> it was quickly removed, um, and a lot of fans have asked people not to share it on social media, mm-hmm. on, on the internet. And from what I can tell, people have respected that because my wife asked me to find the picture and it took me damn near an hour to find <laughs> that picture. <laughs> but my wife just had to see it. She just had to know what America's dick looks like. Uh, and, uh, understandable. Hey, uh, I, I, I completely understood. I didn't even argue. It. I didn't even go like, why do you like, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I was like, all right, <laughs> yeah, I'll find it for you. Don't worry. Um, but, you know, in, in my digging so, and after yeah, watching. Yeah, I was going to say, how was that hour-long digging? <laughs> tons and tons and tons of poorly photoshopped Chris Evans taken in the ass by Chris Helmsworth and every other MCU actor you've seen. Sometimes he was giving. Sometimes he was taking. Oh, man. But that's not the part that disgusted me. The part that disgusted me, Jay, was the fact that people just do a poor job with their fucking Photoshop. Yeah, come, come on, on man. people. It's 2020. This is Captain America. Show some respect. <laughs> At least do a good Photoshop job as you show Thanos ramming his dick in his ass. Come on, man. <laughs> no. No, I don't think I will. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all, all, all kidding aside, um, he was pretty embarrassed over it. And a lot of people have respected his wishes and have not shared it. Uh, I made sure I didn't repost it after I saw it, but it didn't stop me from going out and looking, Chris. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm only human. And my wife is only human. And Well, at least you're it. not you know, spreading it around. You're not reposting yeah, it on yeah, our Super Movie Bros anything. website or something like that. Did like, not do yeah. that. Would not do right. that. Um, but you know, his, his brother had, had, a, had a fun response to him where... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Mark Ruffalo had a fun response to him where he was like, dude, don't worry about it. You can't embarrass yourself more than our current president embarrasses himself on a daily basis. 
<laughs> which I found pretty funny. Uh, and then Chris Evans used it uh, to his to his own device, and he kind of made a a video about it and stuff like that, using it towards towards you know asking people to vote and stuff like that. He was quiet on social media for for a couple of days, and then he came out with a video, pretty much like ask asking people to vote and everything like that. So um, I thought I thought honestly, as far as like celebrity nude leaks go. He, he's pretty fucking classy about it. Yeah, so, this is going to, um, I think it's pretty much already gone. I mean, he, he it, it kind of came and went really quickly. And um, it luckily, really does depend on who it is. It was, you know? Well, sure. <laughs> it was very quick. And, it, it, you know, fans respected it. It went away. Um, you could tell it was a, you know, a freak accident, you know, from what I gather, it wasn't even really a good photo. <laughs> so it wasn't it was like not. a big, it, was uh, it wasn't like a big, you know, HD you know close-up crazy no, 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 shot no. remember it was it was like a it was like a small thumbnail of it from the end of of his of his yeah. phone reel so it's so not even it a full kind of, photo it's like right just a, it was already down sure, it was sure. already it, it's you know it, 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 there was no it, it really was it really was nothing yeah. in fact he could have just said oh yeah that's not my dick and if someone's he like oh yeah. and he's like yeah so what i look at dicks what's your problem <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, next news story. All right, Jay, let's keep in with this MCU money train sure. here. Let's get into WandaVision. So WandaVision is still planning for a 2020 release. In fact, it looks like we talked about this. Disney is now confirming that WandaVision will be its first MCU Blue label, as I call it, uh, for for Disney Plus. It'll be the first TV show from the MCU to to show up on Disney Plus, and they are still pushing for a late 2020 release. Late 2020 means probably holiday season, sometime in the November December right. area. Uh, probably be it'll probably be wrapping up before the new year because Falcon Winter Soldier will more than likely be coming out in the early 2021, and it seems like um, they kind of need these shows to kind of coincide with well, what's going keep on the in, app alive too right right you keep the app alive but they need it to coincide with what's going on in the mcu for phase four but a lot of that stuff has been getting shifted back and it looks like another one might be getting shifted back next news story all right so I said last week that it was possible that be- if Mulan was successful doing the Disney Plus premiere, that Black Widow may follow suit. Well, it looks like Black Widow might not be doing the Disney Plus premiere access, but Pixar's soul may go that route. It may get released directly to Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Not sure if they'll do a premiere access, but kind of like Onward did uh, earlier on in 2020. So Soul will be getting a Disney Plus release apparently, but Black Widow may get postponed again. And I'm not going to do a full news story on this, but reportedly a lot of films are being pushed back because a big tentpole blockbuster came out a couple weeks ago called Tenet. You might have heard of it. Me and Jay did a review for it, caught some shit for that. But apparently Warner Brothers has been inaccurate about their reporting of the box office numbers. Mm. They've apparently been reporting weekend numbers, but not daily numbers, not day-to-day numbers. So there is no real accurate box office numbers for Tenet that are being reported to other studios. So other studios aren't able to gauge the market to decide whether they should be putting out their big blockbusters yeah. or not. Let me help you out there, Dave. It's bombing. <laughs> right. It's it's bombing. But an interesting thing that other studios took notice of was that Wonder Woman has been pushed back and still doesn't have a release date. So a lot of other studios are going, oh, well, yeah, we're that's not necessarily true. Wonder Woman just confirmed 
confirmed um, a Christmas release. Not I mean, a well, Christmas release. I mean, tentatively, obviously, Christmas release, which can still change. My right, point exactly. Right. But they just so, moved so that. Disney. Yeah. It looks like Disney may already be poised to move Black Widow from that November 6 release that we talked about last week to possibly early on in 2021. I think you can move Black Widow any given time you want. Like that that uh, movie Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently it does have some serious ramifications going forward in the MCU for Phase 4 uh and that You mean if it doesn't come out in order? Yeah. Oh. I, I'm not sure. I mean, they had the movies ordered that way for a reason. It seems like because as Black Widow moved and and took over the Eternal spot, the Eternals moved back and took over another movie spot and so on and so on. The domino effect continued down the line. Hmm. So they're, you know, e- even if the Eternals is done and ready to go or Black Widow's done and ready to go, they're not just releasing them haphazardly. There is a set reason for why they get released in the model in in the slot that they're getting released at so as one moves back they all move back so well time will tell we're not sure when black widow will be coming out they they still have not confirmed that it is not coming out on its november 6 release date that they've previously stated but more along the lines just just expect it to to possibly move yeah next news story all right, Jay, final MCU news story that we got here. Apparently, Ant-Man 3, the script is in the works, and it has a villain. Rumor has it that the villain is going to be Kang the Conqueror. Kang, the master of all time. Uh, he is basically a villain that exists in the far-flung future of the 616 universe, and he travels back in time to commit his time crimes, and everything he does uh, goes towards adding power to himself in the far-flung future. Um, he has some serious ties to the Fantastic Four, as he premiered in the Fantastic Four first, but he also has some serious ties to Iron Man, as the younger version of Kang the Conqueror was a hero named Iron Lad, who was part of the Young Avengers, who Scott Lang's, Cassie Lang, is also a member of the Young Avengers. That brings us to the fact that Jonathan Majors, the star of Lovecraft Country on HBO, has apparently been cast in the role of Kang the Conqueror for Ant-Man 3. So big, exciting things going on for Ant-Man 3 because Kang the Conqueror is no small villain to the Avengers. He is one of their big bads, you know? He's kind of up there with Thanos, maybe a tear down. Not quite Doctor Doom level, but... Definitely Ultron level for sure. <laughs> so um, <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be interesting. And I like this idea uh, of the time travel because yeah. obviously so much of what Ant-Man did set up for what Endgame became. And there, Tony Stark warned them about ramifications of traveling through time. And, and messing with the time stream and creating alternate timelines in Endgame. Kang the Conqueror may be traveling back through time to correct that time stream. So back to the future is a bunch of bullshit. And it may have some severe ramifications. Yeah, it sounds interesting to me. I like this. Uh, I like this idea here. So I look forward to seeing that. And Jonathan Majors, uh, he, he he's he's a good actor. So um, I've only I've only seen him in in a handful in a handful of things. But what I've seen him in, I've enjoyed him in. The thing the so, so the things I I recognize him most from were Hostiles, which was a 
a film that I was not in love with, but I did really enjoy the acting in it. And White Boy Rick, uh, he played John Littleman Curry in that. Oh yeah, and White Boy Rick. Yeah, White Boy Rick was a uh, was was a surprise for me. Uh, I, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it wasn't anything spectacular, but I had a good time with it. Next news story. All right, Jay, this is one you shared with me, and it makes me want to vomit just a little bit. Mm. Madonna will direct a movie about her life that will be written by Diablo Cody. (laughs) Co-written by Diablo Cody. Madonna will be writing it with her, with Madonna directing. care. I am not interested in seeing a autobiographical pick i don't i'm fine with biopics but autobiographical picks tend to paint yourself in whatever light you want to be painted in and there could be some serious flaws in the narrative because it's done through your retrospective rose-colored fucking glasses i'm not interested in this at all i don't want to see madonna direct anything i am i'm just not interested in madonna having so much control over her you're interested in watching it fucking fail that's what i'm (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, who needs She this? has a, a huge story to kind of go through. I mean, she's had one hell of a crazy life. I mean, there's a lot of things to Absolutely. get into. Um, Why not have Guy Ritchie direct it? I hear they're still on good terms. <laughs> I, yeah, well, that, that would be interesting. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I like Diablo Cody actually being part of the writing process with this. I think, you know, her sensibilities, I think, kind of matches up with Madonna to some degree. Um, she's going to bring up a lot of, you know, snappy dialogue and it's going to be, you know, I'm sure kind of dry and humorous, but I, I just don't know. Madonna is so elusive. Yeah. You just don't know. I mean, she's so in her own little world and bubble, you know, I, I just don't know. I mean, she's banging 24 year old models still nowadays. I mean, she's like 55 years old. I mean, good for her, but older than that. Older is than that. she, I, I have no idea, but not interested in this. Not one little iota next news story all right jay this is news for you because the oscars has a new standard for best picture as it must have what they're calling an inclusionary standard and the breakdown of this is that on screen it must have a certain amount of on-screen representation themes and narratives so this is directly from then to achieve standard a the film must meet one of the following criteria a lead or significant supporting characters at least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group that being either asian hispanic or latino black or african-american indigenous native american alaskan native middle eastern north african native hawaiian or other pacific islander and other underrepresented Uh, underrepresented race and ethnicity and it must also include a general and ensemble cast at least 30 percent of all the actors in secondary and more minor roles are from at least two of the following of underrepresented groups in film women racial or ethnic group lgbtq and people with cognitive or physical disabilities or who are deaf or hard of hearing and the main storyline and subject matter must pertain to underrepresented groups as well being that women racial or ethnic groups lbgtq people with cognitive or physical or physical 
impairments and going on and on and on and on. Essentially, what they are saying is mm. the Oscars is somewhat whitewashed. And it's time well, to change Well, they've been saying that. that the last four or five years, and, and, and now we have some dramatic changes, which I do not like at all. But it's, but it's not wrong. Um, it's not wrong. I, I, I don't know if I like Oh, a, it is, though. I don't it, know. It's so backhanded. I, it's, it's, it's like right. disrespectful. I mean, that's what, and it doesn't, you know, it's doing a disservice to the artists. Of course, I think that, that there should be inclusionary standards in film. But the people who should be coming up with those inclusionary standards are not the Academy. It should not it, it should not say you can't win an award unless. It should be the people making that film set out to make it with that inclusionary standard already in their mind. But the fact that they're being told to make it, it's it's forced progression instead of actual progression. Exactly. That's the problem. And and, and that is a bit of a problem. However, we've had we've had years to to, to be more inclusionary. And it hasn't happened in in, in in as meaningful a way as it probably should in 2020. Mm-hmm. And the Academy's taken it upon themselves to step in and say, you know what? It's time for film to change. And I don't disagree with that. It is time for film to change. It is, it, it, it is time for, for underrepresented groups to be represented more. I want to see those stories. I'm interested in those stories because it's both stories that I can relate to, but it's from a different perspective that I may not understand, but a film may give me more of an understanding of it or at least at least help me resonate with a character from a different uh, stance in life. But I, I'm not crazy about this it's not the way and it's getting a lot of blowback from the hollywood community along with um you know a lot of the minorities and and it's 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 exactly what we just said it's just they're doing the wrong way it should be coming organically it shouldn't be forced upon it's just not you know then it's going to be like oh thanks i got nominated or i won because i had to be in this category i didn't earn my spot um, right. um, you know, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't come across naturally or, 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 progr- or progressively. That's the fucked up part about it. You know, you can't but make rules on that kind that of I stuff. I do like outside of the inclusionary standards for, for race, ethnicity, sexual orientation and disability is they are also pushing for industry access and opportunities for, for, for people of, of, of race and others and other sexuality. Um, but they're also pushing for training opportunities and skill development within the industry as well. So I kind of like that more so than, than saying you have to check a oh, certain yeah, sure. number of boxes. Sure. But I, I like the idea of, of the training aspect of it as well. You know, Every film must basically essentially be the same way a resident is in a hospital, uh, in a teaching hospital, to learn to become a doctor. Everyone who's working on the film has the opportunity to receive education in filmmaking to take on more or more significant roles. So I like that as well. But, you know, Jay, you said it's not the way, but you know what is the way? What is the way? Let's get into our Mandalorian Season 2 Trailer Park! Show me the one whose safety deemed such destruction. 
must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. The songs of Eon's past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. place for a child. Wherever I go, he goes. So I've heard. So the Mandalorian season two, Jay, we've waited a long time for this trailer. Disney's kind of announced for quite some time that this trailer was was going to be coming and it just hasn't. They did the EW article, the uh, Entertainment Weekly article about a week and a half ago that released that had a bunch of still pictures. A lot of those we can see here in this trailer. Uh, However, it felt kind of weird to read that article and look at those pictures and have very little context for them outside of this is the Mandalorian's continued story. But now we finally get I'm going to say this is the teaser trailer because we're not quite getting a story trailer yeah. here. We don't really know where the Mandalorian is going this season, but we, we we are picking up in this trailer where he left off at the end of last season, kind of with the voiceover of the armorer, um, kind of recapping her last lines uh, to him at the end of season one. But when this trailer opens up, we see the Razor Crest flying over what looks like a a big planet, possibly a gas giant flying towards a smaller, possibly moon, maybe even a forest moon. I'm not sure, but it it is flying. uh, It is flying over this large planet and it looks fucked up. Like the ship looks like it's been absolutely torn apart. The cargo bay door is open. The engines are kind of flickering in and out. So clearly the Mandalorian lost the fight. A space battle or possibly possibly he won the fight and you should see the other guy so (laughs) (laughs) unsure Uh, but then we kind of see him walking on what looks like a desert planet however we know it's not Tatooine because there's a lot of like city lights going on in the background Tatooine's not known for its sprawling urban landscape Um, a lot of people are speculating that it's very possible that the planet he's walking on here is Corellia, which was seen in Solo, because we can see the graffiti and on the wall, and it might just be a seedier part of town. We also get images of Tusken Raiders uh, riding wampas uh, in in they the, look cool. What would presume what would presumably be the Tatooine desert landscape, but we also get images of snow, uh, baby, you know, the child, baby Yoda, standing in snow with uh, a ship, a crashed ship behind them, which to me looks a lot like a republic dropship from the clone wars era Uh, a lot of people are speculating that this snow planet may possibly be ilum which is the snow planet that 
Jedi would travel to. You could see it in the in the in Jedi Fallen Order, where they would collect their Kyber crystals. That's where Jedi would find their Kyber crystals. Uh, other people are speculating that it's possibly Hoth, and the reason that I said that that may have been a forest moon, it may have been Endor, is because it's very possible that this season, since he's looking for enemy sorcerers, he may be following the steps that Luke Skywalker took. Mm. But we're unsure at this time. We also see uh, what looks like a a city that is by the sea. It looks like a very fishing town, and we see a lot of Quarren around. And Quarren, they're those squid face guys uh, that that you saw in the Clone Wars and in Episode Three. And I believe there's a few of them also visible in. Uh, Return of the Jedi, but that would indicate, since there's a lot of Quarren, that they could be on Mon Calam, which is the home planet of the Quarren and the Mon Calamari. But what's more interesting is we get a hooded figure watching the Mandalorian from the shadows. That was cool. And a, a lot of people were like, there she is. That's got to be Rosario Dawson as, as Ahsoka Tano, but it's not. It is the WWE wrestler Sasha Banks. And rumor is she is playing Sabine Wren. Now, we don't get Ahsoka Tano, Rosa, Rosario Dawson in this trailer, although big rumors were that she actually filmed the scene specifically for this trailer. And that appears to be incorrect. But we do see Sasha Banks. And if she's rumored to be playing Sabine Wren, the last time we saw Sabine Wren was at the end of Rebels, uh, was at the season finale of Rebels, where she left with Ahsoka Tano. So if we're seeing Sabine Wren, Ahsoka Tano may just be right around the corner. And then, of course, we see them traveling on a ship, on a, and, and I don't mean like a spaceship. I mean like an actual boat floating on water. Like it's, it's so 20th century, it fucking baffled me. Because I was like, <laughs> we haven't figured out like a different way to travel across water. Like I, I maybe, maybe like flying a spaceship over water is like uh, Back to the Future 2. So I I found that interesting. But one of the other, but the the next scene after the traveling across the water is the Razor Crest flying in tandem with X Wings. And I don't believe that the Mandalorian that Din Djarin is at war with these with these X-Wings because we do get a scene of like the, the Razor Crest swooping down like a landscape and the X-Wings following right behind them, but they're not firing at him. They're almost flying in formation. And if you look at the Razor Crest in this scene, it's got yellow stripes on it, which it didn't have yellow stripes previously. And we know that a lot of the Rebel ships do have red and yellow stripes on it. Is it possible that Din Djarin has joined the Rebel Alliance or at least taken a job and signed up to work with them? So I, I, I get that feeling based on that more so than he's being attacked by them. And then we also get uh, a shot of those awesome wing folding X-wings that that were that we saw Moff Gideon fly in the season finale of of this of season one, and we get stormtroopers running down what is obviously a very imperial hallway, and a, a bunch of scout troops taken off on speeder bikes. So it looks like this is on some sort of imperial base, possibly even a star destroyer that is landed on this planet, and I hope it's a star destroyer because nothing. 
nothing would make me happier than Moff Gideon having his own Star Destroyer. And then, of course, we get the final scenes where the Mandalorian is is talking with a, another uh, a, another ne'er do well, I guess you would say, who is clearly after the child. So there's still a bounty on possibly him and especially the child. And he t- this is the only voice. This is the only speaking lines that we get from this actual season. Everything else, all the other talking in this trailer comes from season one. But here, you know, we get uh, the Gore Crush guy saying, you know, this is no place for a child. And then, of course, we see the whistling birds come out of his wrist gauntlet and baby Yoda knows exactly what that means, pushes his button and hides <laughs> inside <laughs> of his of his pod. And uh, it goes black. So we're not we don't actually get to see the fight. But when we come to we see that the Mandalorian has thrown his vibro blade into a Zabrak male who falls to the ground dead. Roll the the new the Mandalorian season two logo where instead of just the Mandalorian walking in the a, it is him with child in tow. So I'm excited, man. Uh, I'm excited. I, I think I expected a lot more from this trailer given how long we waited for it. However, I like the dick tease. Like I, I like being edged, you, man. Right, so, so that d- way, when it premieres, <laughs> it's a big explosion. You yeah. Know? Just all over the place. Now, do you know the exact date? I know October. I believe it's October 30th. All right. So that makes more sense then. So I think they're doing this for a couple of reasons. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think, you know, like a la with everything with the pandemic, things are just always shifting and changing and, and potentially changing or whatever. Um, also post finishing. I think that's also in line with when season editing, one premiered as you well. You know, special effects, everybody being able to do it and uh, remotely, things like that. It's all been a little bit more different. than likely. October 30th. No, but guess uh, what, Dave? I guarantee you in two or three weeks, we're going to get another trailer, a full trailer, and it's going to be just enough. Early October, we will. Right. The first or second week in October. And that's just enough time right before, you know, to get us completely really revved up and hyped up for two or three weeks later. Boom. It drops. So it's not that bad. If you're counting... If you're counting, this premieres on October 30th, eight episodes, eight weeks after that, brings us to December 18th would be the season finale, meaning Christmas the following week would be probably the beginning of WandaVision. They might take a week off for the holiday, um, but more than likely it'll, it'll, that, that will, they may even coincide the season finale of it'll the be a great right lead along in. with the season premiere of WandaVision. Yeah. It'll be great. It'll be a great lead-in, but I think you know, in general, I think a lot of people are are just chomping at the bit for WandaVision, especially with the pandemic and and the lack of um, MCU. Now, Jay, you ready for some uh, some crazy crackpot rumors that I've been hearing? Um, and this is not me. I'm not a rumor mill guy. Um, however, I, I I did hear from more than than one or two sources, and, and this is just media that I watched. That apparently, it in that EW article, which I did read, John John. Favreau did say that because they they are now confident with with their with the character and kind of like the the established world that they've set up post Return of the Jedi that they they may be telling stories that take place in the larger Star Wars universe outside of Din Djarin and the Child. So obviously with with big characters that are rumored to be coming in like Boba Fett and Ahsoka Tano and Sabine Wren and Rex and uh, it, they may branch off and tell some some further stories involving them 
not outside the show, actually in the show. And now the big rumor about that is that the reason they they have what may possibly seem like a very different second half to the Mandalorian season two than than the early part of season two is that, and this is just rumor, apparently during the filming of season one, Pedro Pasquale was kind of uh, not comfortable in the armor. He just didn't like wearing it. He also didn't like wearing the helmet all the time and wanted his face to be seen more. And apparently Dave Filoni and John Favreau shot that down and he went on and completed season one. He apparently wasn't on set that much for season one. A lot of the close-up talking scenes uh, were him. Uh, anytime he was sitting down, anytime he was kind of standing, that was him. Anytime he was kind of in action or it was more of a faraway shot, it was one of the two stunt doubles. But Pedro Pasquale mainly allowed his voice to be the one that it was basically just him doing voiceover cut to season two apparently somewhere through production the rumor is that pedro pasquale made these complaints again about wearing the armor wearing the helmet he doesn't want to wear the helmet all the time he wants his face to be seen more he also wants more money when he was shot down by favreau and filoni again he then went to kathleen kennedy who tapped him on the bottom and said no 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 creatives in control of this go back down there shut up (laughs) and apparently he may or may not have walked away during this season and it's been kept under wraps this is all just rumor but some people are saying that that is the case why you heard john favreau making statements like it's going to be a very different second half to the season than the first half of the season we may start following some some other characters that have greater importance to the larger uh, star wars universe at large we're going to play in our bigger sandbox now all all these buzzwords if that's all from true i think team. that's a very good possibility if that's all true i don't care because you can still have the mandalorian with or without pedro pasquale you this... can find another actor who can who can talk and say this is the way (laughs) you can find another actor who can do that that 100 and i i I understand his complaint and it's just one of those things where where, okay you're on one of the highest rated tv shows one of the biggest popular tv shows that's out there and a casting director cannot watch it and say i really like him in this because you're not seeing his face i mean it's really it's just a costume he's mainly complaining about you know this crazy costume that he has to wear in probably crazy environments in the heat and you're right he Wrong. can't see his face remember if you if you watched if you Minimum watched how dialogue, they filmed it's the, him just standing around bored of his mind if you watch the behind the scenes stuff of how they filmed the mandalorian season one they're almost never on location for just about anything they filmed in that giant dome that added the background in stuff like that most of this is filmed on stage mm. so climate controlled <laughs> Uh, I forgot to mention, we also saw uh, images of Grieve Karga with a white beard this time and a little bit more uh, regal outfit. So he may have taken up a, a larger political role back there on Navarro, on the planet of Navarro, which took up most of the runtime of season one. But it doesn't matter if Pedro Pasquale walks away or not. You can find anyone to wear that armor. I agree. Armor. It doesn't matter. And, and at, not, not to mention, the Mandalorian may or may not be Din Djarin. The Mandalorian may be the child because we know that they take in younglings, they take in, they, they, they call them foundlings, and make them Mandalorians and teach them the way. Mm. So he has taken on the role of instructor and father to the child. Therefore, the child kind of is the Mandalorian. So even if you killed Dindajaran off, and I don't want that to happen, but even if they killed Dindajaran off in season two, you still can continue it, calling it the Mandalorian. There's other Mandalorian characters out there. We've named two of them already, Boba Fett, Sabine Wren. So 
time will tell to see what's really going on. I think some of this might just be hyperbole. Some of these, uh, some of these rumors, he may have voiced his opinion. It may have gotten shot down and it it may have just gotten blown out of proportion, but it it is something that, that I've heard from, from multiple different places at this point, but it doesn't really scare me off at all. I, I do worry that season two might not live up to what season one was, but that's a very minor worry. You know, it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm happy that I didn't get too much in this trailer to get me so excited for for this and that and the other. And that when I don't get that, I get a little upset. So I'm kind of happy that they're that they're playing this all very close to the chest. And I'm very happy that there is no confirmed rumor that that he walked off set because then I would have an expectation of how second half of the season is going to go. It's fine. Just stay quiet. <laughs> don't tell me anything. I'm, I'm, this is one of the few things I'm cool being blind. Right. On. Right. I hear you. As if looking at enough pictures of uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Evans' face superimposed on so many dudes' bodies didn't blind me enough. I'm, I'm just happy to stay blind to this. All right, Jay, that's going to do it for our news and our trailer park breakdown. You and I, we got a top five to get Can't into. Wait. I know. I'm very excited for this one. This is our top five final lines in a movie. So top five final lines in a movie. Sometimes a movie can leave you feeling a little hollow. You know, sometimes it just it just ends and that's okay. You know, it it, it just ends. Some movies really pack a punch mm-hmm. with their final lines. Something that really resonates with you, something that really sticks with you. Uh, sometimes it's a cool line, you know. Sometimes it, it, it's something that makes you feel something, uh, and and mine's kind of like a mix of that, where it's kind of like sure. it's something that makes me feel something. But a lot of them I found are kind of punctuated by score a little bit, like the just the, the final line is delivered, and then an epic score or like a, a really a really good score kicks in, and it's something that I liked quite a bit. But Jay, let's get started with you, man. What is your number five final line in a movie. My number five is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yep. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. So this one, it's just so poignant it's so perfect it fits the movie so great it ends with a punch it really yeah. is something that i think a lot of people should just live and breathe by in their day-to-day well, lives it, anyway it bookends the movie too yes. because it starts with that quote and kind of ends with that quote yeah 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 exactly and i think it kind of fits the character and the story and i think it's something to good you know it's good to live by yeah, and I think we all, you know, can resonate and I love with this Fobo. Movie. <laughs> the, yeah, and we can all resonate with Phobo, fear of missing out. <laughs> because I've always had that in me. Yeah, I, I, I'm plagued with it. Yeah. If you don't stop and uh, you know look around, you might miss something. So um, we also obviously love Ferris Bueller. Where we did a movie cocktail for it, where uh, I made a cocktail for it. So it's over on our Instagram page. If you want to check me out, over I'm at SMB Dave. There you can go through my history, and you'll see the cocktail that we made for ferris bueller's day off jay my number five is a line that is uttered by james gordon at the end of the dark night 
Because we have to chase him. Okay, we're going in! Go, go! Move! You didn't do anything wrong. Because it's the hero Gotham deserves. But not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him. Because he can take it. Because he's not our hero. He's a silent guardian. A watchful protector. A dark knight. So obviously after this movie, it kind of left us you know, not feeling in a good way for the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he kind of lost yeah. to the Joker, even though he won, he, it still felt like a loss because the yeah. Joker just enjoyed himself so fucking much playing. Yeah, it was game. very bittersweet. Yeah. And of course he couldn't save Harvey Dent. Neither of them could save Harvey Dent. And of, and of course with Harvey Dent dead now, the only way to erase what the Joker did to kind of hide the fact that the Gotham's greatest son, it's white knight, it's savior has, has fallen both literally and, and physically and both literally and, and metaphorically uh, they have to blame it all on the Batman. And, you know, I, I just love this, this final life, uh, this final line, a watchful protector. A dark night. And this is one of those ones that's punctuated by Hans Zimmer's score because it just ends with. And it's like, ah, it's just so good. It's 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 so good. And the dog's chasing him. Mm. Let's not forget that there's dogs chasing him. <laughs> Can't, <laughs> forget the new, Can't forget that. Can't forget that. Oh, the new suit could do against dogs. Should do fine against cats. <laughs> <laughs> so Let's we know that has a yeah, we know we know that Batman has a fear of dogs. <laughs> All right, Jay, what is your number four? My number four will be the most controversial one um, for me, I think, on the list. Lost in translation. The whisper, man. The whisper. They had, you know, yeah, these characters. It's a final they line had, without a line, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> it was one of those great fucking genius things. And you know, Can I break Bill the fourth Murray, wall for a second. How sure. am I gonna put this in the sound clip? It doesn't matter because <laughs> I can't put. Well, exactly. You can just use the music. It's the music. You know, there's music going on in the background, and it'll be it'll be like a scratch your head, what the fuck moment, and and then. We're talking, and we're going to explain it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, a lot of mystery surrounding this. A lot of people have tried to suss out what was said in the uh, final yes, line of Lost and in Yes, and I think somebody did decipher it, and I think I purposefully 
obviously I had to, I, I had to find out what it was and I purposely kind of removed it from my brain. So I well, don't According to Bill Murray, it. there is, it is nothing significant. It it's is not. It's, him it's speaking not. gibberish. It's absolutely nothing into Scarlett Johansson's ear. Well. He, he, he just said something that, that came to his mind at the time yeah, it, and it wasn't anything of relevance. It's it not, not really, not really technically. And, and I, I do recall that. And it was one of those things where it didn't need to, they just needed one last embrace and one last kiss one last just real legitimate sign of affection that they love each other they respect each other and are thankful that they met each other within you know this time frame in their lives and and it was so beautiful i love the way it ended because it was it was one of those awkward endings and you're you know you didn't want to see them go you, you it wasn't satisfying when they were about to leave and part ways and to conclude the movie and then suddenly boom he spots her in the city and he, he runs after her they embrace he speaks something in her ear you can't make it out you they kiss what? and they part ways, and it was, and it was uplifting, and it was it was so I'm, satisfying. I'm gonna, I loved it. I this loved wasn't it. on my radar, number one, because it's not a line; it's it's a non-line essentially. Well, that's Secondly, why it was controversial. <laughs> this is a this is a cop out. I'm I'm gonna tell you right now, this is a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said it's controversial. I don't know, but it is but it is a good moment, and it does leave you feeling a certain way. So you know, obviously, I'm gonna allow it. I mean, I'm not like, gonna I fight might, you. Over I, it, I might have a couple that might be. You, you know, you you <laughs> might right. you may scratch scratch off my list, and I had to bump up these fucking honorable mentions up. But I don't know. No, no, I don't no, know. No. All right, Jay, my number four. <laughs> I, I, I'm just not the the hero type. Clearly, with this uh, laundry list of character defects, all the mistakes I made, largely public. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The truth is. I am Iron Man. Absolutely loved this moment. It's it might be one of my favorite endings to to any superhero movie ever. Just Tony Stark standing there and you know, talking about how he's not the hero type and how it's absolutely ridiculous to think that. And you know, you know something? The truth is. I am Iron Man. It's like, ah, I fucking love it. I just love the way that. That's like, my number three. Yeah, I yeah, can talk that, about it. Yeah. It's, all right, it's, there we go. It's, just it's, the way the music hits. Oh, my God. Da, da, da. Everyone it stands was so up and surprising and get, so enthralling when that so happened. Oh, it was refreshing. It was, it was something so refreshing. different. So, you know, we, we were so used to Peter Parker hiding his identity, Bruce Wayne hiding his identity. Like, I'm not kidding. You know, that, line, that line made the MCU. It could very well. I could argue that you you could argue. I think that. so too. You I really think could so too. I think so too because it, it it definitely was something that said you know this is different than the exactly. other superhero movies you've exactly. seen from this point on because you know you're you enjoyed the movie going forward and it's just kind of you know you're having a good time blah 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 it's a quality movie and then it's setting up for like a traditional ending and then. They flip it on its, its head, and it's just. But it's also oh, something so good. So good. that is so that character, you know. Right, it is exactly. It's, it's him, you know. It, it it feels right for the character as well, and it's just such a great way to end the movie because it it leaves you feeling excited, right? And leaves you feeling a little bit like empowered too. Like I I, I liked it. I liked it a lot, uh, obviously because it's, much it's so. here on my number four. All right, Jay, that was your number three as oh, yeah. well. So my number three is one that 
keeps me blubbering like a baby, even here into adulthood as it did when I was a child. Uh, it comes from Steven Spielberg's 1982 film, E.T. So E.T. giving his goodbyes to to the kids, specifically to Elliot, and just you know, his little finger lights up and he touches them and he just tells them that I'll be right here. And, you know, I, I, mm. I love that. Like Elliot's crying and his finger lights up and he's trying it to is beautiful. He's trying to heal the emotional pain that Elliot can feel. And it's the only thing that E.T. has never been able to do for him. You know, he, he, he pricked his finger. He healed that. You know, he, he was dying. He gave up a piece of himself to save Elliot. And, and it's like he's been able to help Elliot along and help Elliot help him along. But this is one thing that E.T. can't take back. He can't, he can't heal a broken heart. Um, so he just tells him he'll always be right there. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, this whole scene just fucking has me blubbering like a baby. And then when the dog runs up the and the ramp score, at the, end, the score, you know, oh, the music God. of it. Oh yeah. Again, punctuated by score. It's what yeah. makes it so memorable. Yeah. I absolutely love this moment in, in just film history. You know, uh, I, I, I think this is, no, I remember. this has become one of my favorite movies to go back to more so in recent times than, than when I was, yeah, this, I, I got to revisit this again. I mean, it's, I, it's very schmaltzy. It's a very schmaltzy movie, but it's it's nostalgic for right. us because this yeah, was but, our child that we were his age when this movie right. came out you know but it's also oh no i was not and you weren't even born yet 1982 uh was me, this 1986 82? this was 82 oh jesus maybe maybe okay. so remember, maybe when i just, saw this movie i was his age came out right around the same time as blade runner but and the when thing. i they saw came it maybe not when summer. it came out in theaters okay you're right okay. but when we saw it as kids yes we were elliot's age but yeah uh it's it's just something that still resonates with me today. And when I watched it a couple of weeks ago with my daughter, you know, I I got teary eyed still mm. to this day with E.T. saying, I'll be right here. <laughs> anyway, Jay, what is your number two? My final controversial pick. <laughs> Oh, good. I'm glad you picked something mainstream before for Before well, Sunset. I, yeah, Iron Man 1's pretty mainstream, so. Before Sunset. Of course. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baby, you are going to miss that plane. I know. Yeah, yes. My argument to this is that it's, it is two people delivering uh, a final line essentially they don't say it at the same time but baby you're gonna miss that plane right the final line is i know ethan hawk says i know and laughs so the final line is i know (sighs) 
I don't know, man. For me, Look, this you know, was... You know how oh. much the phrase, I know, means to me and my wife. You know, I love you, I know. Um, but <laughs> True. In this movie, now, would you, it doesn't if, quite now, have the same Now, resonance. if they said that at the very end of a Star Wars, would you say that <laughs> that is the final line of a movie? No, and believe me, I struggled to find a line that ended a Star Wars that was as poignant as some of these other ones that I have on the list, and there, it just wasn't there. Um, yeah, I know. I, I think the only one I thought of, like, really was like Rogue One, where someone's like, you know, what is it? And she and and Leia's CGI face hope. looks up with the wonky eye, and she goes, "Hope." <laughs> I was like, "It is nice. It, it's, it's it's nice." nice. But the you guess, guess what it. fucked it up? The music. The music. Yeah, right. The it's music just, it's, actually it's, it was a little too offsetting from what she said. You know, and after yeah. all of that action and stuff like that, and it was hope. You, you could have came up with a much more poignant but and uplift, a different kind of uplifting kind we, of We did score. our Star Wars talk during sure, The Mandalorian. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, you're, you're, you're talking about Before, before, before sunset. sunset. This movie, oh God, I, you know, everybody knows I love this franchise and the follow-up, seeing this in the theaters in the height and pinnacle of watching and loving Before Sunrise, the surprise of Before Sunset coming out coming out of the blue which never should have happened or was supposed to happen was a great surprise and a lot of excitement going into it and this was a short 85 minute kind of slice of life almost felt like a real time oh believe me long time listeners of the show have heard about this series to the nth degree so the ending of this was just so perfect for these characters and they're essentially saying that they're going to stay together and be together. Even though it's coming from two people saying the dialogue, I'll give it to you because I did see this on a couple lists. So uh, that, that, that I was doing my research. So I'll give it to you. Thank you. Thank you. Begrudgingly. <laughs> but you have it. All right, Jay. My number two. This is probably, I, I guess, if you know, E.T. is a classic pick as well. But this is more of a, a classic pick. Um, you know, I... I, I left some of the stuff like, you know, I, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship or, you know, a, a lot of the other a, a lot of the other lines from from famous movies like Gone with the Wind and stuff. You know, I, I left a lot of that off because it doesn't have an emotional resonance for me. But this is one of those sci fi movies that I grew up watching. I remember watching uh, like marathons of all five of the Planet of the Apes movies on AMC when I was younger mm-hmm. and and really, really loving the first one, liking the second one, being okay with the third one, absolutely hating the fourth one, despising the fifth one. But anyway, <laughs> it is it is obviously Taylor's last line, Charlton Heston from Planet of the Apes. I'm back. I'm home. All the time it was. We finally really did it. You maniacs! You blew it up! Ah, oh, damn you! God damn you all to hell! And I, I even thought of instead of playing the actual clip, I even thought of playing Troy McClure's. You know, <laughs> I hate every ape I see, from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. No, you'll never make a monkey out of me. Oh my God, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. You finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally made a monkey. 
Um, but no, I absolutely love this moment, man, because it's it's that twist ending. It's that it's you know what, he's trying to figure out what planet he's so on, where's he at, and then we finally see you know, the Statue of Liberty blown to bits, yeah. and it's it's literally him looking at the wreckages of humanity and and realizing he's he's not just lost, you know, he's never getting back. I know it's so good, so it's, good. It's really really good, and it's it's a good sci fi movie. You know, I I think it. It, it probably doesn't hold up as much today, but it's still so. Yeah, but guess what, Dave? Because of that ending, and because of that film, and yeah. and, and of his time, it's it, it. We have what we have. We have war. Yeah, we have dawn. We have uh, Planet of the Apes rise. All, uh, rise, and and you know, it's just you know, the it, this is this is still an iconic franchise, and Absolutely. it's a big Absolutely. part of that ending was was a big part of that reason. You know, so I. I I, I don't think if you had Planet of the Apes, you would have Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, mm, I, I, mm. it, it laid some tracks for for sci-fi sure. moving forward, um, and it took it in a different direction from from your you know Robbie the Robots and your you know Plan Nine from Outer Space and Hands of Manos and stuff like that. It took it out of this like '50s sci-fi realm, and and this along with like 2001 took it to a, like a different level, and and kind of showed people you know what can be done with the sci-fi. With, with sci-fi and it all comes down to like having just this absolutely memorable ending yeah i 100 percent agree all right jay before we get into your number one obviously you said that this is the one list where you had no problem coming up with honorable mentions so run through some of your honorable mentions the name is bond james bond <laughs> casino royale uh, okay. Casino Royale. It was just a great way. Is that to the just only time he utters it in that movie? Exactly. It was the last fucking line of the movie, okay. and the fucking Bond music swell right afterwards. It was so. I was so fucking giddy. So it was just like the Iron Man moment for me, or something with the Bond version of that. Just rewatched. You didn't realize. I didn't realize that throughout watching that whole movie because you know there was so much going on. It's the first one of this new Daniel Craig era, and then you know you're at this beautiful Italian weird landscape, and all of a sudden this guy's getting shot, and then you see him all dressed up to the nines with this badass looking gun, and all he says is Bond, James Bond. You know, it's like oh my god, it it was just perfect. It it works. It works. Yeah, I just rewatched Casino Royale and. uh, God, it's so it's so good. It and is. then Quantum of Solace is also on Netflix along with Casino Royale. And it's not and it so is, good. <laughs> oh my God. It is so boring. It is I know. fucking I know. It's boring. a shame. It's a shame. It's, and it, yeah. you know, they just they it just rushed it. It was just bad producing you know they, they wanted was, to strike a, while the iron was hot sure, and i'm not gonna and fault mgm for doing that it is a follow-up extension of casino royale in a lot of ways so uh, but well, it is he's going he's going out for revenge yeah you know, for the people who yeah, stole so, from him so in a, and in also a way it kind of makes sense but it, even yeah. still it does not work you know and and unfortunately it's like every not other scheme of things yeah for no. the craig era right now it's like every other film is great <laughs> you know it's pretty good you know i wouldn't i I'm, I wouldn't I'm, say that I'm most definitely gearing up, and it looks but. like a uh, side note. They are kind of laying down, a, and they're you know, their 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 flag for our November release date in theaters for No Time to Die. So, and then my other honorable mention is Jack. I swear, 
Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was such a. I mean, you're just fucking bawling up and tearing up at the end of that movie. But the but the memorable so moment sad. in that movie isn't the last moment. It's it, it it's, it's the, you know it's the outfit. Shit, anus. I wish I could quit you. <laughs> you know, it's it's it. That's the memorable line of that well, movie. Well, yeah. It, for, not, it's not. What's that's he say? Not he says something like "son of a horse's ass" or "son of a son of a horse's mouth." Damn it, anus! I wish I could quit you. That's like, he says. Isn't that like in the middle of the movie, or is that towards the end? It is, but that's okay. the memorable. That's the I know, line. I know, I know. But for, but I mean, as far as like, it was such an emotional roller coaster of a film, and then to see the surprise of him actually, like you know, holding on to his outfit of Jack's outfit in the closet, yeah. and then like just kind of holding it and just saying, holding "Jack, it. I swear." Yeah. Because he's such a restrained character, and Heath Velliger did a fantastic job with that role, and um, in that time period, and that kind of obviously that you know environment in the middle America. All right, but, all right. these but are anyway, honorable mentions. So yes. We can't get into Sorry. them too deeply. What's what's your next one? Son of a bitch, he stole my line. Robin Williams <laughs> says at the end of Good Will Hunting. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's a good one. It's so good. It's good. It's, it's good great. Yeah. It's great job, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck writing that script. It's beautiful, um, and. F- Oh, I got two more. Uh, now, bring me that horizon. Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I always liked that ending. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, very fitting. Isn't isn't the last line, drink up, mateys, yo-ho? No, I, I think that's the third movie. I'm pretty sure uh, that's okay. the third or right. fourth movie, something like right. that. Fair enough. But that is in that is a final line in, in one of them. I can't remember which one. Yeah. But, yeah. but 100%, this is the first movie. Um, okay. And then... I'm finished. There will be blood. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do love that one. I didn't put it on there because it's so it's it's brevity. Um, and and, and that's it, and why it it's like my number ten spot. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it works in in the film. But like, if you say it, you know, it's like, uh, you know. Now, of course, if you say it like him, like I'm finished. Or but my memorable line, my memorable <laughs> line for that movie is my straw goes all the way down, and I drink your milkshake. Drink it up. <laughs> Love it. That's, God damn. Uh, right, I just Jack. recently re- rewatched that film. I don't. I don't think I mentioned it on the show, but I did. It was awesome. Uh, it, it's on Netflix, and if you haven't seen it, you really should. Mm-hmm. All right, Jay. Uh, one of my honorable mentions is Fight Club. You met me at a very strange time mm, in my life. Good one. Yep. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, another one is Inglorious Bastards. You know something, Yudovich? I think this just might be my masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> it kept it off my list because it works in the context of the film, but like on its own, it's like, it yeah, doesn't really. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. But like, I, I, I fucking love that line, uh, especially Yudovich before that goes, God, you're getting really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is so good. Uh, an, another one for me is this one's a little long, but well, that's the story. So if your air conditioner goes on the fritz, or your washing machine blows up, or your video recorder conks out before you call the repairman. Turn on all the lights, check all the closets and cupboards, look under all the beds, cause you never can tell. There might just be a gremlin in your house. Fucking, I don't know why. I, I love gremlins, man. I, I absolutely love that. Love the way it ends. Just, just love the score for that movie. So that one always hits me. Another one is from Seven. Ernest Hemingway once wrote, "The world is a fine place worth fighting for." I agree with the second part. 
yeah, uh, yeah. that line always resonated with me. It's uh, it's a powerful one. Yeah. Uh, I never had any friends later on like the ones I had when I was 12. Jesus, does anyone? That is from Stand By Me. Uh, I I love that. That's one of my one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. Mm. And then final ones are Hey everybody, we're all going to get laid. <laughs> Which is Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great way to end that movie. And then uh the one that almost made my list but just didn't quite edge out some of the other ones is So Long Partner from Toy Story 3. What kept that off my list is that if that was the last line from the Toy Story franchise ever, it would be on my list. Mm. But they went ahead and made a Toy Story 4. Not that Toy Story 4 is bad. I like it a lot. But I still think they should have just ended it with Toy Story 3 with that line, so long, partner. Because it's kind of like Woody saying goodbye to us as he's saying goodbye to Andy. We all grew up with Andy. We're, we're, We're grown out of it. But they went ahead and did another one. I, I still think the other one's good, but they pulled off Jay, the impossible. <laughs> Jay, you're ready for your number one. Man. Sure. What am. is your number one? Back to the future. Jay, that's my number one too. Hey doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88 roads. Well, we're going, we don't need roads. Oh, my God. I fucking love the way the score hits right at the end of that. You're getting the sounds of the DeLorean as it's taking off, and you get the. Right, but not just as the car, but also as the flying car. Yeah. With a different sound added to it. And then here we are, five years past 2015, and I don't have a flying car. I don't have a hoverboard. There's a lot of things that that movie promised me. I don't have a Jaws 19. Where's my Jaws 19? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but Jaws no, Jay, uh, I'm very surprised that this is your number one. I'm very happy. This is my number one uh, as well. Dude, I mean, I've always told you this. This is like, this movie is on like a special different, own separate category. Like, you know, it, it's it's just so untouchable. It's so perfect and beloved. Um, it's such a well done film. It's so great and nostalgic there's so many great elements to it there's so many great twists and surprises and oh my god i just in action and thriller aspects and and i don't know i i I just adore this movie i really do me too it hits me in the feels the ending is fantastic it's a great twist great surprise and it was a great infinitely quotable movie great tease of a sequel you know at this time man when this came out that must i mean that probably blew people's minds you know just like um like we just talked about um playing the apes you know back in that era you know there wasn't a terrible amount of like great jaw-dropping endings that 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 like kind of like potentially led up into another sequel to get somebody really excited like 
it ends with a to be continued, right? Like, mm-hmm. even though Robert Zemeckis never meant for it to, he just kind of saw it as like, it's a serial. I'm making a serial, but mm-hmm. it's not, we, we have no plans on other ones. Just kind of in your mind, know mm-hmm. that there's other adventures sure. out there. Until, until obviously this movie just made so much fucking dump trucks full of money that he's like, All right, well, I mean, I guess we got to make another one, right? Hey, look, I, <laughs> I love two. I do like two a lot. I do, yeah. Um, not three, but <laughs> oh, give give three its credit. I, Come on, man! I, don't I, don't besmirch it too much. I, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun. It, 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 there's there's fun to be had. But Mad for Dog me, for is me, my it part. is it is one and two. Um, especially yeah. one. I mean, it's just you know, it's just so, so great. That's gonna do it for me and yes, Jay's thank list. Thank you so much, everybody. Top five final lines in movies. If you disagree with any of the picks that we had in our list, or did we miss talking about any of your favorite final lines in a movie, reach out to us on social media. I am on Twitter at SuperMoviePod. I am on Twitter, J underscore SMB on Facebook, Super Movie Bros Podcast, and on Instagram, Super Movie Bros. Of course, if you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us get seen. It helps us grow. And uh, we could use that these days. <laughs> I could use the confidence boost these days. And if you're really enjoying the show and you want some additional content, head over to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Bros. There you can get a new episode every month from Super movie bros not always about movies sometimes it's just me and jay shooting the shit generally funnier and raunchier than the main show but uh good time had by all so i want to thank everybody for listening have a great one cheers cheers, cheers.